0: You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. This morning, we wrap up our series of identity through Ephesians 1, finding out who we are in Christ. The last nine weeks, I don't know about you, but it has gone by incredibly fast, the last nine weeks through this sermon series has felt like maybe two or three weeks, but today we wrap up our sermon series called Identity, Finding Out Who We Are in Christ. Next next week we are going to start a sermon series in the book of Genesis. We'll start in Genesis 1. We are not going to be going verse by verse through Genesis. We'd be here... A really, really long time through that, so we are going to hit the highlights and really see the covenants that God put into place for His people throughout Genesis, so we'll obviously start in Genesis 1, and I want to encourage you, and we'll talk a little bit about this next week, Genesis is really important because it explains a lot of the questions about life and about Christianity to us. So if you know someone that maybe doesn't know Christ or is wanting to explore more about the church and Christianity and and why we're here and kind of those big questions in life, I would encourage you to invite them here um, to come and, and be a part of our study in Genesis because we're going to be asking a lot of those questions. Who is God? What is God like? Who are we? How has God saved us? All of this is packed into the book of Genesis, and it's going to be a lot of fun as we walk through this, and so we'll start that next week. But this week, we wrap up identity, finding out who we are in Christ in Ephesians 1. Here in Ephesians 1, Paul lists for us some spiritual blessings that the believer in Christ, the church, we have in Jesus And these many blessings, as we've gone through them the last nine weeks, really define us. It tells us who we are. And here's what happens many times in our lives. I've said this a few different times, that as we go through our lives, and if we are believers, we often forget who we are in Christ. We allow other things, sometimes we allow other people to define us, but as believers in Jesus Christ, we are defined who we are in Christ. And so this morning, we're going to review some of these things by just reading the passage. We're going to go through some of these things. And so look at verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. It says this, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. And so we've talked about, just in verse 3, we talked about just how spiritually wealthy we are because of Jesus Christ. That we have every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Paul's going to list them out for us, but the list doesn't stop here. Look at verse 4. For he chose us in him. And so we saw the first week that we are chosen in Christ. That God decided to have spiritual kids. Let's keep going in the middle of verse 4. Before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. And so we are holy and blameless. We are righteous because of Christ. Not because of anything we've done. We are not righteous because we go to church or we don't go to church. We are righteous because of Christ and only because of Christ. Verse 5, He predestined us. Again, that goes back up to chosen. God put a plan into place to what? To be adopted At verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. And James shared with us about the adoption we have through Jesus Christ for himself. Keep going here in verse 5. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Verse 7. In him, We have redemption through his blood. We talked about redemption. Mike walked us through redemption, that we are redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ, that his blood that he shed upon the cross, he bought us back from being slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We've been redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that redemption that bought back came with a high price, the price of the blood of Christ. Then in the middle of verse seven. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Pastor Jason shared with us the forgiveness we have through our trespasses, the, the forgiveness we have of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will. We talked about this, that through Christ, we know what is going to happen, that he has redeemed us and there is a redemptive plan put into place to redeem us. We are enlightened people. We know exactly what it is that God is going to do in our redemption. So verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. Verse 11, we saw in him in Christ, we have also received an inheritance. We talked about that we receive all the spiritual blessings in Christ. We inherit, we are joint heirs with Christ. And so we receive a great spiritual inheritance, We also talk about that that word inheritance can mean heritage, that we have a rich heritage through Christ, that we have a rich heritage in the church. And then we keep going in verse 11, because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might be praised to His glory. Verse 13, in Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you also believed, were sealed in in Him with the promised Holy Spirit. And we saw last week that we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, that our salvation is is guaranteed the doctrine of eternal security. That we are eternally secure in Christ with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, He is the down payment of our inheritance. I like that word down payment, right? Because when you buy a house, what do you do? You put a down payment down. He is the down payment of our inheritance unto the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. We're going to get down into verses 15 and 23 here in just a moment. But as we talk about all the spiritual blessings we have in Christ, yes, we are rich, spiritually rich, but it's not even necessarily for our own personal benefit. Yes, it is for our benefit. I mean, we think about redemption and adoption and forgiveness and being chosen and predestined. We have all of these things. But at the end of the day, it is to the praise of His glory. It's all about Christ. And it's easy for us, if we're not careful... As we look at these spiritual blessings in verses 3 through 14 of Ephesians 1, it would be very easy for us to begin to walk around and to carry ourselves with some sort of spiritual arrogancy and spiritual pride as if God owed us all of this. But at the end of the day, the fact that we are chosen in Christ, we are holy and blameless before Christ, that we are adopted through Christ, that we have redemption through the blood of Christ, we have the forgiveness of our trespasses because of Christ, we know the mystery of His will because of Christ and in Christ. In Christ, we have received an inheritance in Christ, our salvation is promised and sealed, it could be easy for us to think this is all about us when reality it's to the praise of His glory. It's all about Christ. And at the end of the day, the reason why God chooses to save us through His Son, Jesus, is to the praise of His glory. And you say, Adam, that's selfish of God. That's arrogant of God to make it all about him. But we have to remember it is all about him because he's God. It all starts and stops with God. And so all of this is to the praise of his glory. It's all about Him. It's even why in Psalm chapter 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Why does He do all these things? For His name's sake. To glorify Himself through us. And what greater way for God to be glorified than to take us as human beings who are broken, sinful rebellious, going our own way, full of pride, yet God chooses to redeem us and buy us back. There's no greater way to make God can make himself known by than by saving a sinner. And for saving and, and for saving us through his redemptive plan, So as we bring this series to a close, we must remember that this is all about him to the praise of his glory. And because we have received these spiritual blessings, we need to be about what God is all about. And what is God all about? God is all about God. And we need to be all about him. Now let's keep going here in verse 15. We're going to read 15 through 23. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have never stopped giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. So we see here in verses 15 through 19, Paul is praying for the church, the church in Ephesus specifically here in Ephesians 1, but I do believe it applies to us here today. He's praying for us, the prayer that we as the church, we would have faith in the Lord Jesus that we would have a love for all the saints. The The church needs to be a place full of wisdom, not of our own wisdom, but of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the revelation of the knowledge of Him. He says, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what is the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints. I want us to go back to this idea that we talked about two weeks ago, this inheritance. We talked about this inheritance being the heritage we have in Christ, that spiritual family, that heritage we have. We also talked about how we receive an inheritance. We kind of gave that idea if an an attorney knocked on our door and said that we inherited a billion dollars from some long-lost uncle, that we receive much wealth through Christ. But as we see here in verse 18, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Another spiritual blessing that we receive in Christ is we receive a family. There's nothing more important than I believe personally in our lives, I'm not talking about spiritual things, I'm just talking about here in our spiritual lives and family. In family, we hopefully find acceptance. We find love, we find support, we find encouragement in our physical family. You may be here this morning and say, Adam, that has not been my experience with my biological family. Can I tell you, I hear you, that is hard, I understand, and I'm very, very sorry. Scripture often describes God as our Father. And I am fortunate in that I have a good earthly relationship with my dad, but I know that in a group this size, that may not be the case. And so when the Bible talks about God being our father, Scripture is not talking about God is like your earthly father because at the end of the day, as earthly fathers and having earthly fathers, there is failure there because humanity, we're human, we mess up. So when the Bible talks about God being our father, He is not saying he is like our earthly dad. He's saying, no, he is like your, he is the father you always wanted, needed, and longed for. And so we have God, our Father, in the wealth of His glorious inheritance in the saints. The saints is the church. And so, as believers in Jesus Christ, the spiritual bl- another spiritual blessing we receive is we receive a family, and it's not like an earthly family in some ways it might be, but it is not an earthly family. It's a spiritual family, the church. We have a family in the church. Now, unfortunately, oftentimes, like our earthly families, our spiritual family can be dysfunctional. It can be discouraging, but that is not the way God designed it to be. God designed the church to be a beautiful thing. We are the bride of Christ. We are the saints, not the New Orleans saints. We are the saints, And we have a glorious inheritance in the saints, in the church, in that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. Deep down, I believe every human being wants to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. That's why we get passionate about our sports teams and movies and entertainment because we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. One of the things I miss in sports is being on a team. There's nothing like quite like being on a team, being a part and as belief of something bigger than ourselves, the church. I know a lot of us right now are thinking Leewood Church because we're sitting here right now, but I'm talking about this is bigger even than Leewood Church. We are a part of the global church. And that is a glorious thing. So even as we sit here in a large group, it's not even about us here today, the church. We're a part of something much, much bigger than ourselves. We are a part of the global church. We are a part of the church, the church that is diverse, When you think about the global church, the different races and languages and uniqueness of the church, if you think about this, within the last 24 hours around the world, in the last 24 hours around the world, brothers and sisters in Christ that we have, have gathered to worship all around the world in the last 24 hours to worship to make much of Jesus, to celebrate the salvation provided in his death and his resurrection. And we are a part of a global church of brothers and sisters around the globe that have gathered together to make much of Jesus and to celebrate what he has done. And so as we gather here as the local church, we are a part of the global church making much of Christ and glorifying him. And that's a spiritual blessing. So may we as the church here at the, on the corner of 83rd and the state line, may we never get tunnel vision and think that it's all about us right here in this broken down facility, that it would be about Christ and the global church and the mission to make Christ known to the ends of the earth. And may we be willing to do whatever it takes to make Christ known in our community into the ends of the earth, that we'd be willing to die to ourselves, be willing to give up everything as the church to make Christ known. But let's keep going in verse 20. It says, He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. So as we close this series of our identity, yes, we are chosen in Christ. Yes, we are holy and blameless before Christ. Yes, we've been adopted and predestined in Christ. Yes, we have redemption through the blood of Christ. Yes, we've been forgiven. Yes, we are enlightened because of Christ. Yes, we have an inheritance in Christ. Yes, we are sealed because of the work of Christ and the Holy Spirit. But at the end of the day, our identity is in Christ Himself. Our identity as brothers and uh, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ is that our identity is in Christ. That yes, Jesus, if we are a believer, He is our Savior. Yes, He has He has saved us, but He is also our King. He is our Lord. And so if you are a believer, a mark of a true believer is someone who is willing to submit themselves to Jesus, to where Jesus is king. Jesus sits on the throne of that individual, and Jesus is calling the shots. Because we can believe Jesus as Savior, and it not change us at all. Believing that Jesus is Savior does not save us. Believing in Jesus as Savior is just one part of the equation, but we must confess Him as Lord, confess Him as King. And that's the hardest part of the equation because we don't like a king. In fact, our own country was established in rebellion to a king. We don't like a king. It's in our DNA as Americans. We don't like a king. But as Believers in Christ, a true believer has a king, has a ruler, has a dictator. And that is Jesus Christ. And there's no one more qualified to be this king. There's no one else that is qualified to have our identity completely wrapped up in. Because he's God. He exercises power in Christ. Why? By raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and every authority and every power and dominion dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. You see, faith family, our entire identity is wrapped up in Christ. Yes, we receive all these spiritual blessings we've talked about for the last eight weeks. Yes, we receive all these spiritual blessings in Christ, but at the end of the day, our identity is in Christ and who he is. Turn over to Colossians 1, and with this passage of Scripture, will be done. This is the passage that Stephen led us in worship through in the reading of Scripture. So turn over to Colossians chapter 1 and look at verse 15. Since as believers, our identity is completely wrapped up in Christ and He should be, yes, our Savior, but also our King and our Lord, we need to see the preeminence of Christ. What does the preeminence of Christ mean? It means the centrality of Christ, that basically Christ is number one, to put it in simple terms. But at the end of our series here, I want us to see who Christ is and how our identity is wrapped up in who He is. So look at verse 15. He, talking about Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. "...whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together." He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself whether things on heaven or things in earth by making peace through his blood shed on the cross and so faith family at the end of these nine weeks i ask us a final question is your identity is my identity wrapped up completely in christ you say adam what does that look like that looks like jesus is king he is in charge, he is supreme, he is preeminent. Is he that in our lives? Is he king? And that displays itself by having a king, what does the subjects of the king do? They obey. So by Jesus being, yes, our Savior, but our King and our identity wrapped up in Him, that displays itself out in our obedience. Do we obey Christ? Do we follow after Christ? I also must ask, is Jesus King in your life? Have you, reconciled, have you recognized Jesus and believed him, yes, as your Savior and your means of salvation, but have you made him king? Have you, made, have you confessed him as king, as your Lord and your Savior? Because you cannot be a believer in just believing in Jesus as Savior, you must confess him as king. So have you identified with Christ? Is your identity found in Christ? And if you haven't, can I encourage you and plead with you to listen to the Holy Spirit and believe in Jesus as Savior and confess Him as Lord and King? And if we do, then we begin to find that our identity as the church and as believers in Jesus Christ is wrapped up completely in who He is pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for being that sacrifice upon the cross for our sins. We thank you for your resurrection and that it saves us and provides salvation. So we thank you for being Savior but we also confess You as Lord and King in our lives. So God, I pray if there's anyone here who has only believed You maybe as Savior but never made You King, I pray that You would save them and bring them to an understanding of the Gospel. I pray for those of us who are believers, I pray that our identity as your people would be completely wrapped up in who you are, that you would move us to greater obedience as our king. Help us to live as you lived. Help us to be holy. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leawood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.